Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. All right, welcome to this week's edition, I should say extra edition, of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. The guest for this week's extra episode is familiar to the show. He's been on here before, and just like last time, Crosby and Stills is not with him. So if you would, take a moment and join me in welcoming Matt Nash to the show. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. So it's been a bit since we've had you on. Um, a lot has transpired. Uh, <laughs> a whole lot has transpired. Like an entire season of shooting has transpired. <laughs> yeah, it's been good times. Yeah. So how was your 2022 for you? Uh, 2022 was long. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, I knew world shoot was going to happen. Um, so, you know, maintaining that kind of level of focus and commitment, especially with a two-year-old in the house, now three-year-old, um, is challenging. Uh, also with work and stuff, you know, full-time Leo. So it's, it's a lot. Um, but it was very rewarding. Um, it's something I've been working towards for many years. Um, I, you know, collected a couple major wins, had some really good team support, um, shot the Pan American, the World Shoot, and then came back and did the Pan American Extreme right after pretty much turn of the year. So those are three huge Ipsic matches, kind of all rack and stacked in 2022 slash right at the turn of the year. Now, you shot Caribbean Open too, didn't you? I did. I did the Caribbean Open as well. I was trying to get as much Ipsic flavor as I could into my schedule, and they kind of run an Ipsic, more Ipsic oriented stage designs with some USPSA thrown in there. 
So that was a deluge. Now the Pan American, was that a deluge for you too? As far as? Uh, the weather and the rain. Yeah, that was, now that I think back, that was, a, that was yeah. an interesting one. You know, honestly, the weather really never bothers me as long as it's fair across the board. What it, where it can get challenging is when you do like a one day format and then one day you have mm. the worst inclement weather and then the rest don't, you know, that's, that's kind of how the cookie crumbles. But so I don't really let it bother me too much, but I do like to see how things stack up fairly. So like if, from Pan American, like everyone kind of had to shoot the multi-day format through that stuff. Eh, everybody had to deal with it. I actually like adversity. So that tends to put me in a more positive mindset. And I love seeing people start to complain about it. I just feed off that. Yeah. It That's gets the them out of their game. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. absolutely. I totally get it. Um, now Delmarva, did you shoot Delmarva in the rain or did you get one of those days where there was no rain? I thought I had a great match and, and my hat's off to the staff there. Um, you know, the things that bother me during inclement weather is pace, pace of shooting. I'm a kind of shooter that likes to keep shooting. Um, my hardest mental time is when I'm the first shooter. And then I know I have to be like at the end for the rest of the, the matches. I like to keep going. Um, so that pace was amazing through the rain, just this, like little things like, how fast the ROs responded to a call on the radio bags off like bags were off. It wasn't a big thing. It was the transition was so smooth that all the shooters had the bags off at the same time and on the stages. And we just kept going. In fact, I think even with the weather, that was one of the fastest matches I've shot in a while. So hats off to McPhee and, and all the staff there. Oh, wow. All right. So we'll go back to 2022 here real quick. But it, when you said, the Pan American and all of that, all of a sudden, I don't know why, but rain came in my head. So. Yeah. Now, I didn't think about it, but Puerto Rico kind of prepared me for that a little bit. <laughs> I, I totally forgot uh, about that. Yeah. Puerto Rico, man, just looking at the videos from Puerto Rico, that was pretty bad. I was like, you could use a kayak there to move from stage to stage. Yeah. Mason, I knew it were bad when we looked across the bridge and we just saw coconuts kind of going down the stream. It was pretty funny. We just started cracking up. <laughs> But you know, are I'm you marine, sure like, there's one people and all you could are you sure there's one people and all you could see was the very top of their head? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're marines, so if it's not raining, we're not training. So you and I are very used to it. Um, man, when I was in the Philippines and it was during the uh, monsoon season, and we were out doing some training and we came back and it had been raining, and this small little stream had turned into a torrential rave, uh, flowing river. And like, like Marines will do, we took all of our gear off. We just had on our BDUs and our boots. And one guy went out, grabbed a tree in the middle of this thing. And then another guy grabbed his legs. And, and I was at the end. I was like fishtailing it back and forth through the river. How none of us died, who knows. But, I mean, we are what we are. Yeah. That's why people say we eat crayons. I don't care, though. It's funny. Your staff NCOs, even if it's not raining, will find a way to get you to what? <laughs> yeah now how was your uh how was production nationals for you Ooh, I gotta think about it. you know that was pretty good i i was a little conservative in the beginning um i ended up picking it up at the end and, and salvaging it. i think i i got 15th not fell short of my goal of top 10 and kind of competing um mainly because of that beginning um i got to figure out how to come out of the gate a little bit 
better. Uh, so that's something I'm going to focus on over the next couple years. Um, so, but towards the end, you know, I was able to make adjustments, make improvements, really pick up my pace and speed and trust myself. A lot of it is mental in this sport, as you guys know. So yeah. for, for me, it's, I'm at the point where I don't want to make any mistakes and I don't have the skill level to kind of throttle it back and compete with like the Mason lanes of the world. So I really have to deliver my best every, every stage. And that's hard to do on, you know, a, a multi-day event. Um, so, but I, I'm a proud of where I was by, you know, mid-match and end of the match. You know, I'm really proud of the skill sets that I was able to, uh, to accomplish over the last couple of years and, and show it there. And I think uh, I think I have a chance of getting top ten and consistently on that super squad a little bit more. Now you, um, so since then you've shot. The Pan American Extreme, World Shoot, Delmarva, now the Buckeye Blast. Have you done any specific training since nationals for those? <laughs> no, okay. No, I'll be I'll be honest. I I was the first time in seven years I was burnt out after World Shoot, and then mm. to put icing on the cake. I had to go do because of rescheduling. I had to go do the uh, Pan American Extreme, and that's like a multi-day event as well. Um, so after that, I didn't touch a gun um for the first time in seven years really uh i took two three solid months off del marva no practice sessions just rolled right into it same thing with ohio state now i'm seeing my results uh from those um and where i i need to be at so i'm going to start ramping it back up here uh because now we're in a qualifying year so i got to get ready for the end of the year where i for production nationals ipsic nationals and then I'm, i'm going to greece to shoot the extreme Euro championship or the Euro championship. So okay. get back up now. Okay. So do you feel like those three months, two to three months, did you good? It did. Like uh, I can feel like my muscles and everything's relaxed. I got to center my attention back on my family, which is most important to me. Um, you know, kind of re-energized me, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ready. Uh, I'm ready to get back at it now. Uh, I got the itch, which is a good thing. So yeah, absolutely. That's what gets you back in and training. Yep. So I get it. I mean, last year, yeah. I guess your season would have started. Wasn't Caribbean Open like the end of January or February, somewhere in there? Yeah, and and if you think about it, like the rescheduling of the World Shoot, I never really took off for two years. I mean, I'll, holy I'll, cow. If it wasn't for the ammo shortage, I would have been shooting a lot more and even training harder. Um, you know, just a hard time getting ammo these days, but I still put a ton of ammo down range and practice and sacrifice some family time. Um, so it was a, like almost a long two and a half years, like, you know, kind of, I, I didn't want to take any time off because I didn't know when it was going to be rescheduled either. They didn't, you kind of thought it would carry over to the whole another year, but you didn't know where they might throw it in um so i kind of just stayed primed up the whole time and i i felt until like i knew like two months out world shoot was happening like i was starting to get burnt out i was like oh man this is just a grind and it's you know to maintain that kind of level of commitment and focus you know with a day job and family it's hard oh absolutely it gives but you once no world free shoot time. came around it was all excitement and i was charged back up now, did you go over to World Shoot alone? Did any of your family go? My family didn't go. Um, 
you know, it's hard with a two-year-old to kind of put that, all that responsibility on my wife. You know, she's a world, she's traveled the world too. So she would have been comfortable. But for me, I also wanted to stay with my family or my friends or family. Uh, you know, my team Boneyard crew of Casey, Mason, Murph and all them. Like I, I wanted to stay in the house with them because I knew I was going to need their support uh, being my first world shoot. Um, and it definitely paid dividends um, just being ready uh, for that match. So it would have been tough. Now, I am taking my family to Greece this year. Uh, nice. So that'll be fun. Okay. Let's. All right. We'll come back to that one then. Um, now, at the World Shoot, you stayed with those guys. Did you shoot? Were there any other uh, American team shooters on your squad? Yeah. So I shot on the USA team. So I had Casey, Reed, and Mason with me. Okay. Sal couldn't make it. Unfortunately, uh, some logistical challenges there. So it was just the three of us on the team. Um, and, you know, we had Eric on our squad. We had the Italians on our squad. So we had some really good shooters overall Eric? on our squad. Um, and those Italian guys shooting for Tampa were amazing. Eric. Grafell. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, oh boy well yeah. it, the reason i asked was june kim went but he was a late addition and he was the only american on his squad so he was having to figure everything out on his own yeah. so i assume that with three of you there you know there were you could talk about the different stages and and things to worry about an attack and things like that yeah it was probably a little harder for june but that's part of the experience too you know I, I made some good friends around the world at this match. Um, looking forward to hopefully seeing them uh, at the end of the year again. Um, you know, it's nice to, to travel. I mean, there were still a lot of Americans there and between the days and opening ceremonies, he was still part of uh, the general crew of, of Team USA there. So, um, but yeah, it must have been a little bit more challenging not to like trust bouncing ideas off some people and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, he said by the by the end there were a couple of guys that he could trust and and start talking to them. But I mean, going into it, he it was he was all by himself on an island. So yeah, Mason said it kind of best. A lot has to go right just to get to go to World Shoot. Um, you know, that didn't really sink into me because I kind of knew this was coming for two three two and a half years. But now looking at resetting and trying to go one more time, you know injuries, work, family life, just qualifying, you know, getting Sal, getting your logistics squared away. A lot really has to go to right. So the fact that he got to go and experience that, um, be that it may, he's on, he was on a team, on a squad by his own is still remarkable. And I'm sure he enjoyed that experience as I did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He had a great time, but you know, it was just, that's why I asked because when June and I talked, he told me about that. So that definitely makes a, a difference. Yeah. Well, that's good too. Then you, there were a bunch of other Americans on your team then that had the same day off shooting the same schedule. So did you guys hang out much afterwards? Yeah, I, I don't know how much you know this, but Mason, Casey, and I are, are really close friends. We pretty much shoot all majors together. Um, so for the last three, four, maybe five years, ever since, man, I don't even know when I went to Extreme Euro, um, but Mason, Casey, and I probably shoot six, seven, maybe eight matches a year together, something like that. Um, so we went to Puerto Rico. I don't think Casey went to that one, 
But Mason and I pretty much are always paired off. We have Mid-Atlantic coming up at the end of the month. Um, so, like, to me, that was just like being back home, being with Mason and Casey. Um, so that, 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 and then having Kay there as well. Um, I shoot everywhere with Kay and even Murph is typically in our house. So any major we go to, we usually get like what we call a team boneyard house. And it's usually like Luke Faust, uh, Mason Lane, Kay, Lee, Casey, myself, Murph, um, Darren, uh, Thin, uh, and Steve Lutman. We're pretty much always getting a house together for the last couple of years. Um, so like, that camaraderie and also Phil Strader, that camaraderie is um, something that I really leveraged over there. It helped calm my nerves because when I walked on stage, it was just like any other major from the sense that I had my team there. So, right. yes, it was Team USA yeah. and Americans, but they were also my best friends there shooting with me. Which, Phil Strader, I guess every house needs a joker. Yes, every house needs a joker. <laughs> I'll tell you, our whole house is a bunch of jokers, so... <laughs> <laughs> you put us all together, and I, I, you know it's fifty-fifty if we make it to the match in, the next day. <laughs> uh, I will tell uh, you, some people in the house have not made it to the match the next day. Oh my goodness! I can see you guys in Thailand now. I can see Mason stealing a little jeepney, driving around, picking you guys up off the street to get you to the range. Yes, we, uh, <laughs> or Phil doing it between uh, between. Feeding stray dogs. I forgot my belt. We made it like halfway on the last day to the match, and I forgot my belt in the house, so we had to turn around and go back. You know, I'm trying, you know, trying to get our our driver that we built a relationship over the week to like speed it up. But and I was the first one on that stage, um, and it was funny. <laughs> I was doing my walkthrough really flustered, you know, trying to get ready and everything. Um, last day, I was first one up. And literally finished my last walkthrough, kind of like everyone else had dispersed from the stage. And so I kind of did my one last clean one by myself, you know, and the RO's like, hurry up. And they're all about business there. You know, one minute, make ready. It's more like 20 seconds and go. Um, and Mason kind of whispered in my mirror. He's like, hey, did you forget the activator? I was watching your walkthrough. And I never saw you look left. At, there's this one little steel on the left tucked. And I said, no, I thought it was the steel on the right that's the activator. And he's like, no, it was a left one. And I had to map it in my head during my make ready. And Ooh. I shot it. I posted that stage. It was the hardest target I ever shot on that stage. Um, and Mason saved me on there. I, pr I probably would have been flustered looking for an activator, a little popper tucked away for this hard up-down uh, target if it wasn't for Mason. So my hat's off to Mason saving me on that one. It was my only mental mistake, and that was probably because I forgot my belt. <laughs> so, have, <laughs> right. Having the right gear. They told me from day one, like eight, nine years ago, having your gear work for you and have it on you is half the battle. <laughs> and here you are at the world shoot. You forgot your belt. There you go. Yep, that happens. Holy cow. Yeah. I know in Korea it was hubba hubba honcho, and you better buckle your seatbelt because <laughs> yeah. you're in for a wild ride. So did you uh, did you partake of any of the street food, the street vendors? Not not till not technically no, not the sh true street food. I think some of some of the people in the house did, but uh, I was too scared of getting sick. And uh, you know, even though I heard good things, I, I didn't really want to test it. And then we knew some other USA competitors tried street food and got somewhat sick. So that really kind of validated like stay away till the end. Now at the award ceremony, excuse me. Uh, I did, they had kind of like all street food vendors there. 
um, and you know, kind of like their version of the the uh, street trucks. Uh, and I tried that, and I ended up getting sick on the last day, really, really bad. Um, I ended up having to cancel my flight and stay in a hotel room an extra day. It was so bad, Whoa. and so did Mason. Uh, so, yeah. So good thing we waited to test the waters till the end. Holy cow! Yeah. Yeah. How did you like the Mai Tai fights? That was really cool. You you saw those pictures, and I got some videos. That that was actually really really cool. I'm glad we did that. Um, you know, that was that and feeding and taking care of the elephants. Yeah. I only, I only fed them. I didn't technically take care of them. Me and Murph didn't feel like getting all muddy. I guess we've been there, done that, but, uh, the rest of the house did. And that was actually the coolest. I would say, I would say they're equal. I love them both. I love animals. So they're kind of both cool in their own right. Uh, wanted to do a Thai event and then the other one to actually Mm. chuck, uh, pineapples and bananas at an elephant and, and get up close and personal. That was cool. Yeah, that, that, that would be cool. I've ridden an elephant before right here in Fredericksburg. Oh yeah. You're going to have to t- tell me about that one. Cause I yeah, have not it, still ridden it, an elephant. It was uh, one of the circuses. I forget which came to the fairgrounds oh. and my oldest son was like two, three years old, whatever he was. He's very young, but you could go on elephant rides. So I paid for me and my son. We got up there and we rode and uh, elephant crapped and it smelled terrible. And then we walked some more. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It That's was cool. it was cool I'm though. Look out for that one. My son will love that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Cool. But I can imagine uh, a legit Thai Mai Thai fight going there and watching fight after fight. That has to be intense to watch it, it those would- dudes. It was really cool, the, the pace that they, they ran the show. I mean, I, I would imagine it, it wasn't like UFC. It would probably have been like a smaller type organization. Mm-hmm. We went during the weekday, so maybe their stars are on the weekend or something. Um, but, yeah, the fights were really amazing. The seats were amazing. We're like pretty much ringside. You know, um, that that was a really cool event um, to, to see. I feel like in, in Thailand, it's kind of like – if you're a shooter in Arizona, you could you could shoot a match every single day of the week. If you're in Thailand, you could see Mai Tai fights every single day of the week. You actually can. Yeah. Yeah. Sites. They, they kept telling us that. So, yeah. I believe true. it. But, yeah, you, it's hard to probably find it here in Fredericksburg, you know, on, on a weekend. <laughs> yeah. UFC is probably closest. I'm sure there are circuits out there. But, yeah, it, it was another thing to kind of see it in Thailand, right? Yeah, Exactly where the sport originated yep completely different atmosphere not a bunch of white pale dudes kicking and punching each other in america it's not the same yeah you know i I travel all the all around the world for work i've I've been to a lot of countries um you know gearing up to go to a a dozen or so in the next couple months again and you know those experiences are different than when with your friends doing things like that you know i've seen some cool stuff for, you know, that usually, you know, the countries put things on display for the officials that I travel with. But uh, it's a different thing to be able to kick back and, and do things with your friends and stuff like that. So this is this is kind of one of the things that I told him in when he you know, was in the president's seat or I'll continue to tell the organization is we need to have a little bit better outreach uh, for USPSA members to understand IPSC and make that transition to experience some of those events. And I think Puerto Rico is a good step because the importing of the firearm and it arriving like on a conveyor belt with your baggage, like everything else 
but just the the sense of traveling essentially out of you know the continental United States and getting into another yeah. area is a step forward. So I encourage everyone to look at that if they're kind of nervous and then bridge the gap from there and get to Europe and, and, and try IPSC. The community and the hospitality is on par with USPSA local matches and th- and majors and people, you get to get to experience a different country to boot. So like, you know, we're not just USPSA, we are an IPSC chapter or region as well, and we should do more. And, I offer to any of your viewers, if anyone's interested and kind of nervous and just want to understand the logistics of that, feel free to reach out to me on email or Instagram, and, and I will help you get very, very comfortable with that. And I agree with what you're saying, because I've talked to my wife, and now I saw a lot of videos, and I've seen a bunch of stuff from Extreme Euro, and that that to me looks like a very challenging match and a very fun match. Um, but the area, while it interest me there's a lot of history there it's not a big draw for my wife okay but but greece might so there's that yeah, yeah and, and there's matches all over you know if you if you go on the ipsy you don't have to attend like extreme euros and shoot 10 stages a day um although you're not pasting so you do get the rest in between but that is a lot there are other matches you can go to on par with like maybe a level two here where you're not, you know, really tying yourself out and then you can go explore the countryside. Sometimes you can string the matches together and shoot two smaller matches, you know, in different countries and take the train in Europe and stuff. So you definitely can plan. I mean, I always consider myself in my line of work a glorified trip planner. So uh, I just do it for government officials, but um, definitely, uh, definitely not as hard um, as people would think. I mean, pretty much the hardest thing is just getting your weapons permits for countries that require that to be processed through the embassy. But it, it's really, it's really not that challenging. And once you get over there and experience the hospitality that they have as an IPSC community is on par with USPSA, you're going to feel right at home. And now you're getting a whole different experience. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, you know, my thing would be that would be one part of my trip. The rest of it, you know, it'd be like a a week-long trip where we do a few days before, we'll do some sightseeing before, some sightseeing after, make it a week-long trip. But my question would be then for you, since we're talking about it, what would you tell somebody like that? What do they do with their firearm if they're not leaving the country immediately, but the match is over? Yeah, so I've explored this. So I eventually, maybe not this year, but... The following year, I would like to do a check and extreme euro again. And, you know, you can build some relationships up there. We can maybe help you out with the match directors, but sometimes they'll store your weapons. So if you find a, a traveling route like Europe, for, for example, I'll give you a scenario. I was going to go in to check, fly into that port of entry in Prague, travel to extreme euro, shoot the match, right? have some fun during the half day format with my wife. So she's not completely alone all day. It's 10 stages, half day format, right? Then leave my gun with some of the local competitors there, right? That I trust like match directors and things like that. Travel Europe, go up to Germany. Maybe I go down South to Croatia. The only thing I have to do is find my route back to Prague, which seems like challenging, but you can loop Europe in a week. And end up back in Prague to fly out, right? And get your gun before you fly out. There are people that would probably take care of you like that because they they do like when Americans come there and shoot. 
And, you know, I, I can't speak for anyone, but like those connections exist. Like if, if that's something like a dream thing to go over there, shoot, but also make a family trip of it. Um, there are connections where people can probably will take care of you and help you out in that regard. Okay. Something to think about then. Yes, sir. <clears throat> now, were you, were you happy that the shooting shooting season was over then when you got back? I didn't meet my goals at world shoot. So the last three months has been a lot of reflection to see, to see if I can do one more and reach my goals. And, And for me right now, it's coming down to time management, just where my life is. I'm healthy. I'm still hungry to shoot and meet my goals, but like, I have things that I love a lot, like my family, and I'm mm-hmm. at a critical point in my job to advance. So two two years is a lot of time, but like I, you got to kind of make that commitment now. So, you know, I'd be lying to you to tell you if I'm fully committed at this moment. Um, you know, I think Ipsic. I, I think I need to find it out soon, and I think Del Marva this year in Ohio State kind of really motivated me saying like, that's not where I want to finish. Um, That's not where I want to end and I got room to improvement. So it's likely like here soon, I'm going to either make that commitment or not. And I still have, I still have some unfinished business. You know, I look at some of the great shooters in production and where they started at world shoot. And I wasn't far off by no means did I, you know, I felt like I, I was too conservative in the match. It's part of the mental game, but Mason's told me that probably paid dividends because when people get reckless, it can hurt you really fast. So I don't, I don't necessarily hold that back, but I know I still have more to offer where I was at then, uh, if I can just mentally get there. And then if I can, over the next two years, clean up some of those skill sets, I think I can you know, definitely make it in the top 10 and maybe be a contender uh, if I commit to it. There's a lot that has to go right, though. I, you know between family, work, staying healthy. A lot has to get right, but that's not in my control. What's in my control is what's in my head right now. And I still have, I still have not reached my goals. You know, um, I would like to have one more to say it wasn't just my first and my last that I came back and tried to make improvements and, and see where those chips fall. That That's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm just trying to see if it lines up with everything in the rest of my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm hearing three things. I'm hearing one, you were unsatisfied. So you you were not appeased. You still have an appetite because you didn't. Maybe had you done what you wanted to do, you may not be doing this again because of family and work. Yeah, if I if I made it, if I made if I reached my goals, made kind of top ten, and was really competing and running with the best more consistently, because there were stages that I ran with the best. Um, there were several, and I was like, "Ooh, that that showed me." I just got to build consistency and clean up some other skill sets. That when you're not shooting your best stage, you, you the damage is controlled. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, you know. So like, I got to find that other gear. And two years, I can definitely. I know I can definitely find it. And. Um, if I would have made it in the top 10 at this match and been running, um, I probably would have earned the respect that I was looking for when I look in the mirror of what I was able to accomplish. 
And it would have been a lot harder choice with my three-year-old. Um, but I never want to, I'm the kind of person like at one point, like I'm battling right now. I don't want to use my three-year-old as an excuse to give up on a dream. But at the same time, I don't want to sacrifice all my time. So like, I'm trying to balance that. Can I, can I be there for my three-year-old and, and commit? And for a lot of people that don't know, I travel a lot for work. So like, I'm getting ready to go for a week and a half. So like, it's not just shooting. Like if it wasn't my job taking me away from my family, probably would be no brainer. I could definitely run it, run it back. Uh, but it's a huge sacrifice to my family, my wife, you know, having my three-year-old cry at night and stuff like that for me when I'm traveling from work and shooting, it, it weighs on me, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I posted on Instagram at Ohio State, you know, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's three and can understand a little bit what I'm doing and then I get to come home and show him the shooting videos and, and, he, and it's great, you know, he'll look at me and he's like, is that you? And I said, yeah. He's like, okay, can I see Mason now? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, he wasn't at the match. And I was like, so. Oh, that's funny. It's, it's getting good um, that he understands. Because when he was two, he didn't really understand. You know, he just right. knew I wasn't there. So that's helping a little bit. But it's still taken away from that. Um, I'll tell you, I'm almost at the point where I'm so much looking forward to when he can start shooting. If he chooses to and enjoys it with me. Because then I can just sit back, you know, give my best for the day, enjoy it more as a hobby, and let kind of coach him and see if he'll make his competitive goals come true. Yeah, exactly. There's, there isn't the pressure to compete on your end at that point. You're just out yeah. there having fun with your son. I'm sure I'll be stressed trying to coach him, and, and you know, the competitiveness in me will come, you know, transcend to him. But that's if he, if he likes it. I'll tell you right now. All signs, all signs point to he is going to love shooting. I'm at the point where I'm trying to dial him back a little bit because I'm scared, you know, how schools will perceive it, like his interest and stuff. Oh. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so hmm. I'm just, you know, trying to trying to make sure, you know, uh, that he understands it's a sport and things like that, right? There you go. So you just need – there's three things you need him to do. You need to homeschool him, grow him up on a farm, and make sure he's six foot, and you're guaranteed to have a national champ. You're good. I'm close. I'm That's trying it. to see if we can get animals. We're close. <laughs> there you go. I don't see? think qualifies as a farm, but if I get chickens and teach them how to feed them, maybe. I think you're down. All right. Cool. <laughs> now, how was the um, – before we get off of the world shoot real quick. Yeah. What did you think of the ceremony at the end? Oh, that, that was, that was uh, epic. Um, it looked epic from here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been to any other world shoots, so I'm not, you know, Eric or Mason and them, but that, that was, that's what you expect out of a world shoot. The, the, the size of the stage, the, the massive area, all the countries, the organ, I thought it was pretty organized. I was so just in the moment that I really did not nitpick it or judge it. So this is literally the first time I'm thinking about that. You know, I know Team Boneyard had a case of beer on the table, so I, I thought I thought it went well. Um, you know, I, I I really wish I could have done a little bit better to get you know Team America because I'll tell you, Mason and Casey did a hell of a job. They deserve to be on that stage. Um, I, I'll tell you, like I didn't hold anything back. I, I did my best. I think it was to date the best match of my life. Um, I think my oh, wow. performance shows that. I think 
technically, I think I had one penalty. It was on one of the hardest targets. I thought I hit a no shoot, um, but I didn't go up and look at it. Um, it was that stage that I forgot my belt on. And they didn't, maybe they didn't call it. Maybe I hit just the top of the white, you know, didn't break the perf. I don't know. But I, I thought I called no shoot, but to almost shoot a penalty free world shoot is pretty remarkable, especially when some of my times were on par with the best. So I was pretty proud. I will tell you that level of competition there, um, I'm not embarrassed by any means where I finished. Um, that, that, to see those shooters all perform like a super squad across the board, like there was no, there were no squads that you didn't feel the competition, the heat. And, you know, also just, you know, representing the country, everything that went into it, like the, what I was, the mental game I was able to bring, shooting my best, not minimizing mistakes, helping my team out, you know, staying positive. I, I, I'm really proud, not, I didn't meet my goals and I still have a lot left there, but man, I'm really proud of what I was able to accomplish, but I wish I could have got Mason and Casey on the stage. Um, I'll, I'll tell you um, that probably helped a little bit when, when Sal couldn't make it um, that all that pressure's on me because they take the top three scores. Right. Yep. And, you know, I kind of looked across the board and, you know, this is what this is true friends. You know, I was sitting on the couch and I, I, I know I made a comment to kind of test the waters to see where Mason and Casey's mind were. And uh, I said something to the fact like, man, that's a lot of pressure or something just provocative. Not that it was just to see where they were. And immediately said, we still have a hell of a team. I'll never forget that. Like we're on the couch watching Cartnarks, which is a great show, by the way. And they kind of just <laughs> rolled that off. And, you know, for them to give me that much confidence, my first world shoot, you know, probably a ton of other competitors that could have made the team and be there. But the shot around the world, they knew my skill. They knew what I was capable of. To put me in that mental state speaks a lot to them. And I know I gave my best performance. And we were close. We were close to making the podium, you know. You know, I think because we all shot our best game. And, you know, I, I think if we run it back, Whatever American team goes, I know Casey and Mason will probably make it. But whatever American team goes, I know I know next time we'll make the podium, definitely. Okay, I I don't think people realized because I didn't just how many people from the U.S. go. It looked like there were like fifty shooters. Yeah, so if you think there's a team of four for every single division, then they give some open slots, usually down past that to like five, six, seven. Uh, so when you add that up and then you also have your categories like, you know, females and juniors, mm -hmm. when you add all that up, it transcends into a, a ton of people. And then that's not only other people. There are other Americans that went and shot the pre-match, which shoots for scores so like Trevor and stuff like that really represented America in a great light and got to go there and compete. It's just not on this main set of match days. So, like, even if I don't get to go to World Shoot on the team next year or get an extra mm -hmm. slot, so I'm not on the team, but I also get to shoot on the match, the main match days, I'm going to try and go to pre-shoot just to still shoot my best. Um, now, that's a bigger challenge in my opinion, but uh, I'm, I'm going to try and go no matter what um, if I commit to this uh, next World Shoot. Now, how did you like the moving targets there? We, we, we probably got to get a little bit. 
I know this isn't UFPSA's goal, but like at the national level and others, they got to get they got to get a little bit more challenging at the bigger majors yes. to really allow Americans to excel there, especially on a world shoot year. Or, or you know, you don't have to maybe do it this year, but maybe next year on the world shoot year, do it and then have a cooling off period. I, I know for your average shooter, those are very frustrating when you're doing over the tops at, at 25 yards that fast. Um, or like I said, the one, the hardest target there was a slider with a swinger attached to it and a top down, uh, no shoot partial on it. Yeah. So Crazy. When you have something like that. Like it's hard to experience that. And I could see, I could see the confidence level in mindset for the Ipsic shooters in Europe and so forth. Cause they're used to seeing those type of targets. And I could see us being a little bit more hesitant. Um, you know, I'll tell you Mason and Casey still slayed it and got those points. But like, for me, I was like, I've never experienced that. Um, and re right. in one regard mentally, you just kind of commit to it and go, and it usually will do better than if you've maybe experienced it once and not so good. So actually it probably paid off for me uh, a little bit. I just, I said, let's go. Um, but yeah, you know, we got to get, a. it would be nice to see that a little bit more trickled in in the harder matches just to get that experience. And, and, and that way when we travel overseas, but again, I know USPSA is not built for that. Uh, I know um, the average shooter is not going to really appreciate those and like it. I'll tell you, I don't like it. That's very stressful to shoot targets like that. Yeah, but Matt, I mean, you as you said earlier, we are a region of Ipsic, and yeah. I personally feel that if you're going to a national match, it doesn't necessarily have to be the area matches, but if you're going to go to a national match, then those top 20 guys need to be tested. Yep. Let's see who really is the better shooter. Yeah. I think people rise to the occasion by no means, too. Like, I don't even though I understand USPSA has a blend of hobbyists and athletes that really are trying to see what their limits are. I get that blend, but like everybody, everybody comes out there that is a competitor. Either if it's a hobby, when you step to the line, you can't tell me everybody wants to put their best on display. Right? So like if you treat everyone like a competitor, I truly believe people will rise to those occasions and amaze themselves or take data back, but that's how we progress the sport. You got to keep in competition. You have to keep challenging people, right? Um, you, you can't, you can't accept status quo because then you'll never evolve. Um, so like, when, especially with red dots and PCC yes. and stuff like that, yes. you know, yes, production is going to get a lot harder if you're going to continue to challenge the technology that is making it somewhat more challenging to shoot, you know, non-partials and closer targets like so like i i think we're already seeing it i saw it at delmarva and i saw it at ohio state i was tested more on accuracy than i have traditionally been at those matches and i think it's attributed to the more red dots that are that are in those divisions um so like i think it's only going to help production ironically like carry optics is going to help me prepare for production if that makes sense yeah, so because this is where I was heading with this, if you would expand on more of what you were just talking, like how, in what ways were you tested at Delmarva and the Buckeye Blast? Yeah, so there's there's what I call high-level traps out there um, that I think we're seeing now only because of red dots. But traditionally, you wouldn't see this with iron sights as much. For example, uh, having to exit 
out of a position with a zebra or tuxedo target is pretty challenging because your mind's not going to want to stay committed and focused and uh, on a high level shooter may pull off of that target and and draw a mic right and we're not going to want to stay there and confirm we may not see that call in our sights because we're working worried about getting out right or you have a target that's an up down within range for a carry optic shooter that's perfectly fine to shoot on the move but now is really testing the waters of a production shooter do i shoot that up down partial with a no shoot on the move or do i turn it into another position if i turn it into another position i'm taking a half a second or more hit on time so now i'm wondering what's the field going to do here are there enough points to collect on this stage where i don't have to shoot that on the move and still have a good score or are there less points on the stage and now I'm like, man, time matters. I got to shoot that on the move and take my chance. We're seeing these challenges set up more now. I, at least I am in the last two matches because carry optics lends it to shoot that for an average shooter much easier. Whereas now in production, I'm having to make those choices. Does that kind of make sense? Uh, it makes perfect sense. And the reason I say that is twofold. I was going to pull something up for statistics purposes, but one... I was talking to um, Todd Jarrett in the last episode I put out. Okay. He said he had a 45-yard shot, and he went to Kevin. He's like, man, I couldn't tell you when the last time I had a 45-yard shot. Yep. And Kevin said, get used to it. Yep. So I, I remember that shot at Del Marva, and I actually was excited, and I ran down range because I said, look, I haven't had data points on this. I want to see, and I was Alpha Charlie. And I said, I really want to see because I don't know. And that that is good data to pick up, right? Um, so I, I remember clearly that target because I ran down there before he could pace it because the one RO went all the way down there to pace it quicker. And I said, no, 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 I want to see my hits. Um, at Ohio State, I had a weak hand, strong hand at least at 30, 35. I hadn't done that before. I had box wow. targets at 25 yards, weak hand, strong hand. I had... You'll see in one video I posted from Ohio State, I did a double reload because I ran to slide lock because I had to put three shots on up-down partial no-shoots at 25 yards that I just with a lean that I haven't collected data on yet this early in the season. So it's like I'm putting three on that target because the mic hurts me more than the time on those on those shots, right? So I took a half a second on the stage between the two makeups or the third shot I call makeups, but two additional extra shots. I took a half a second penalty, but like it was worth the risk of a mic. And I, this early in the season without data collection on that kind of accuracy at that distance, it was worth it. Um, so yeah, I am definitely going to push accuracy, but we see that in Ipsic. Accuracy is at a high demand. We saw it at this world shoot with small steel. So like, I know me, Casey and Mason are going to work steel much harder on the next world shoot or at this European championship. And these are like six inch poppers, you know, or little, little plates, not poppers right out there trickled in coming off a of position or into position. Um, because I could see there was a little bit of an edge that the Europeans and other Ipsic mm. regions had over us on those. Uh, I will tell Familiarity. you, familiarity. not to speak for Mason, but Mason and I looked at each other after day one and said, we should have worked steel targets a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean familiarity. So I yeah. get it. It's all it's all mental. It's not necessarily a skill set. It's just about applying it and being mentally confident at the end of the day. And that comes through repetition and not having things thrown at you that you haven't seen before, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, 
so I guess I haven't saved the file yet, but I went and looked at uh, I'm gonna what I'm gonna start tracking this year is um, I've done it in years past, but I'm really gonna follow it this year is division popularity. And at Buckeye Blast, the top five, four of them, all four optics divisions were in the top five. You had carry optics. It doubled what open had. Yeah. Open doubled what limited had. Yep. And then you had PCC, limited optics, and then your normal four um, iron-sided divisions below yep. that. So, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that, that's not a, a negative thing I'm saying, but I'm just saying, going back to what you were talking about, optics are definitely increasing. It almost seems like everything's going to be optics at some point, and then they'll just have like an old school iron sight division for everybody that still wants to shoot iron sights because optics are starting to run everything. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think it'll I'll lend... I think USPSA can transition to more IPSC style uh, stage designs that are a little bit more challenging on distance accuracy. You know, I would still encourage them. There, there are some qualities to not group targets together for to raise that hit factor, to put more accountability on someone coming into position to shoot one target. It seems simplistic. I know we love to run and gun, but there's ways you can achieve that without grouping targets together. But I'm telling you, like when you group a like three targets together at the same distance shoulder to shoulder you're all you're doing is elevating the hit factor because i can shoot 17 splits depending on the distance or i can shoot the same splits and my transitions are going to just rack up points it doesn't test the skill you give me one target where i either want to come in like a soft entry not fully committed stationary or a soft exit and one target at 15 yards and now i risk pulling off that target you're testing other skills because I'm going to be pushing those true thresholds of accuracy and speed. I'm not going to want to overcommit to that position. You saw Mason kind of talk about that a little bit, um, where we're trying to find all those little nitbits of time. Uh, as he's doing, like, he's on YouTube right now doing his stage designs. People should really pay attention to where he's trying to find time. And I'll tell you, he's never trying to find time when there's three targets shoulder to shoulder because everybody across the board can make those points. Right. Mm. Um, so like Ipsic doesn't do that. Ipsic knows that's not going to really separate the best from the best. You know, if anyone goes on and watch Eric Rafael and watch him get it in and out of position and shoot one target here, one target there and see how he does that while still collecting alphas. It's remarkable because, yeah, people can do that, get in one position, shoot alphas, but they can't do it as efficiently as he can with managing that risk. Um, we're going to bleed a Charlie here and there over the best. And I think with carry optics, we're going to see that hopefully um, with the distance. I hope we stop lumping targets together and just shooting. You know, one, it'll help with ammo uh, because you don't really need to run 32-round hosers with the ammo right now. And that doesn't really – my. it's fun. It's fun to trickle in every now and then. But I'll tell you what's more fun of running and gunning than just hosing is having like jungle style runs where it's like, you know, you're tra doing wide transitions while moving forward and you're running at a fast pace. You're not lumping targets together, but you're still moving and running gunning like John Wick. That, <laughs> that I would recommend that over lumping three targets together in a, in a, 
you know, five yard position. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. You can uh, still I, find that American fun of running and gunning without doing that and making it, you'll see there'll, there'll, even at the high level, like even the super squad will have dispersions because some people will make a mistake on that one target. It's like, yeah, you pulled off of that and you threw a Charlie or worse, even a Delta, you know? And that's what I mean. Like if you're doing a local and you want to throw in a, a 32 round clump four here, clump four there, clump yeah. four there. Okay. Do what you want. But what I'm talking about, what we're talking about right now is, you know, that national level match where all the heat is coming. Well, let's throw in some stages, a bunch of stages that actually test the shooter. And if you screw the pooch, well, you might drop from third to 10th for that day. Because, yeah. you, you know, you, you screwed the pooch, so you get what you deserve. But you're challenging them to see yeah. who truly is the best shooter. Correct. And, that, and not necessarily the one who's going to pull the trigger the fastest or whatever. Sure, yeah. have one of those or two of those stages. But yeah. it goes back to, you know, everybody I'm talking to, even a PCC shooter is like, no, I don't, I don't want to shoot 50-yard targets with my PCC. I want to shoot pistol stages with my PCC. And I'm like, no, I want to see you do 75 yard shots with your PCC. Cause yeah. I want to challenge you and your platform. As long as there's a balance there to test yes. all skills. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, I think 50, the nine millimeters capable of it, but you're starting to really challenge that round. Right. Um, but certainly the, you don't have to have a whole match at 20 yards. Right. No. But, but I, I like but, a balance of testing all the skills, and World Shoot did that very well. Um, I like the three-two-one format. It is nice because people can get into kind of a groove uh, with it, and it also helps them with stage planning because it, it kind of gives some organization and structure, right? Um, so I think it, it would, if I was like a, you know planning stages for a major, like I, I was like, okay, I got a structure here. I know I need this and this and that. Um, I think it's fair. Some people you know, can't run 40 yards as fast as others. But I'll tell you, uh, some people can shoot a, a short course very, very good, you know. And so it, it also balances out Rob Latham. criticism as well. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, like, um, I'll, I'll take, like, a field course against some of my friends, but there are some that when you stand and deliver, it's like, man, they're untouchable. You know, yeah. like, they look like Isaac or Jay. Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> wait to look at him. Like, there's a long course coming back up. I get you. <laughs> I'm gonna get I you, get Tanya Harding, you before you know, <laughs> heard that kneecap before this stage, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm you, but, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at what, like two it. years two years ago, Rob Latham won single stack at what age? The guy can't yeah, run. Some, I think some knee conditions too. Yes. Like, yeah. Phenomenal shooter, man. And, and, I mean, literally, you'd have to say for American shooting, you'd have to say the GOAT with 29 national championships in USPSA alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say he's a specialist at, with the 1911, which is – so I, I miss that. Speaking of let's, – let's go into that really quick. I miss the, the classic like it used to be. In fact, I bought two 1911s because my desire was always to put my skills against the best. And that was like an early year match that all the pros went to, right? Because they are all the industry partners make a 1911. Um, it's just not as popular anymore because carry optics is really taken over. But like everyone wanted a 1911 when I came into the sport and all the pros shot it. Like 
you know, to watch Jake and Phil and Rob and Dace Vigny shoot that match. Those were my idols. I was like, I got to go to that match and shoot it. Like I, Todd Jarrett, like I got it. I got it. They're all there. So I bought, you know, I got into production. I quickly bought two 1911s and then it kind of went away. Um, you know, but that's kind of what the new carry optics is. You get all the talent there, you yeah. know, but it was, I would say Rob Latham is the goat definitely because for, for the 1911, like, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I put Todd, Jer like when we just speak generally goat, which is a fun topic to speak about. Todd Jarrett used to own Eric Raffel. That's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, you know, I, I will say Rob Vogel was the last one to, you know, in America to beat Eric Raffel. And I know there were some conditions and caveats that, but hands off to him for beating Eric yeah. Raffel. You know, um, Dace Vigny, what he's been able to accomplish, Taron Butler in shooting sports in general. Mm -hmm. Like there, are, there are a lot of American goats, and I'll tell you, like when we went overseas, you, you know, we're put on the American jersey, but I can tell there was a respect for America in general because of of those champions that I just spoke of, and it was just an honor in some regard to get to represent their legacy to say I'm an American here representing what they built. I learned off their skills; they were my idols. And one of the things I've always asked USPSA to do is they should have a Hall of Fame. They should have a Hall of Fame. They should give homage and recognition to the people that have built this sport in general, because yep. IPSC was founded here. Yep. They should give recognition to the people that have evolved this sport. And, you know, I think that would that it speaks to American traditions to do that. And I would encourage USPSA to online have a Hall of Fame. And every year at Nationals, there maybe is a voting committee somehow, very similar to all our sports. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And vote and people, people get to vote. And at every year at Nationals, we induct somebody or something like that. Uh, and it can be off all categories, super senior, senior, to everything, juniors, female, um, you know. And there are remarkable people in this sport that you can name a trophy after, like Vogel or not Vogel, but um, – um, Voight uh, yep. and things like that. And I think I think that would be a great thing for this sport, especially with all the drama that's going off. We need things that bring this sport together. Um, hey, you could you could oh. easily make the case. I mean, you could have a lot of categories. Brian Conley hasn't picked up a pistol ever to shoot a USPSA match in competition that I'm, oh, I've seen. Sponsors but history. one of the greatest sponsors ever. So still Absolutely. did has done so much for the sport. Brian Conley would be one that I could see going in at some Absolutely. point it does because of be his contributions. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It could be the community as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, totally agree. Yeah, just like in baseball, they, they recognize sports announcers in the Hall of Fame and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, some, some, we need some wins like that that is low dollar amount but brings back that camaraderie and community spirit. And then that's one I've been throwing in the hat. Yeah, I, I agree. And even Todd mentioned that, you know, we need to have a our own place where we can have this facility where people can come and see and maybe hold nationals there and other events and people can, can see the history of the sport because that is the one thing that, well, look, I mean, just a year and a half ago, whatever it was, when I'd get online to see the past champions, there was like a half three quarters of a year of competing that wasn't even filled in. 
I knew who they were, thank God, and we could find them in practice score. Yeah. But it that's getting better. But still, you know, there needs to be a place where people can go and yeah. and read and see and and touch and do. And th- and that's um, a model you can build and and then offer to even the club levels and say like, look, we're we're going to help you like practice score. We control the Hall of Fame website. And we'll we'll offer your club to be sponsored. When you become a member of USPSA as an organization, you get a Hall of Fame status. Your club can start uploading all their data in there. Because I recently went to where Nationals used to be held in my home club, Fredericksburg, Virginia, Rod and Gun Club. And they have all the original trophies in there collecting dust in the trailer. And it would be pretty cool. I'll have to take some pictures and send them to you. But it's a one trophy, kind of like the U.S. Open, where all the names just kept going around it. Wow. And, and I, I'm like, it's, this is like, this is epic. Like, this is like history in our sport. But it's also at the club level. And I'm like, you can see Todd Jarrett on there, Rob Francisco, Megan Francisco. Like, all these great shooters. And I'm like, that, you know, having that heritage in my backyard, um, you know, where nationals used to be shot. Uh, made me think about that. I was like, we really need a Hall of Fame. You know, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I know all about the football <laughs> Hall of Fame. And I'm like, this means something to people. Or it's just insp- inspirational to younger shooters coming into the sport to see, you know, that, hey, one day I could get my name there in some way to represent, you know, what I gave to this community. So, yeah. Didn't mean to go on a rant there, but. No, no, that's good. Hopefully. But I, and that's the way we, that's the direction we need to go. So yeah, fun stuff. It, yeah. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> what I want to talk about is Cardinal Shooting Center. It yeah. is going to be the home of Carry Optics Nationals here in about a month and three weeks. Yep. So what was your take on the facility and hosting nationals yep the facility um one it's it's where i'm from ohio i grew up there in cleveland ohio so it's about an hour and a half away from my mom's house so that's kind of cool Um, that's nice it's farm country it's uh rural america you have great staff there very uh very enthusiastic to put on a great match I will tell you, I saw ROs making adjustments and talking to each other during the match, which, you know, is not typically seen. They're trying to make improvements even on day three of the match um, to polish themselves up. And I've seen that at IPSEC, but it's it's hard to sometimes see it. Now, I'm sure it happens. I'm not trying to say it doesn't, but, like, that was pretty cool to see the level of ROs there. And I know Russ was there and some others. Um it's broken into two zones. The bays are pretty decent size. They could be a little bit wider to like IPSC standards, but they can hold really good stages there. They're going to need some help with some stage designs. I, I think, uh, you know, hopefully uh, USPSA steps in and, and helps them like they traditionally do at nationals for that. Um, there was just some, like, I don't think you should necessarily have box stages at a, a match like that, but it was only one or two. So it wasn't that bad out of, at Ohio State. It was kind of cool. I don't mind boxes. Um, you know, you, they could have um, they could have had some more movers, so I don't know if they're still getting some more steel and movers, but they're definitely going to need that for a national-level match, in my opinion, um, because I think steels and movers usually separates 
uh, a, a lot of people because it, it challenges you on another level. Um, so I didn't stay had I think they only had like two movers. Uh, one was not really even, it was, it broke at 90. They weren't really that hard, but they had one real challenging mover. Um, that I was like, all right, now that's getting a little too extreme. It's almost like, <laughs> it's, I'm serious. It was a tuxedo on a bobber and you're on a wobbling bridge and you had to go to, I had to go to 10 rounds. So, cause I had to do two passes on it and I'm, and then they had steel behind it in front of it. So you didn't even know if you hit, the oh man, like, I hate okay. those. <laughs> you, you, got, you got to test one thing. The bobber on the bridge would have been extreme enough. You didn't have to have the steel. You didn't have to push me to 10 rounds, allow shooters to give some makeups on it easier with the round count, things like that. But, um, but my curiosity is how the, the state, it's a new range. So how is it going to handle drainage? Uh, because we don't get to control the weather, as you know. It did rain at that match, but not hard enough for me to see it manage the rain. But it, I could see it, it from my experience of you know talking to Fredericksburg Rod and Gun Club with the match director there and and, and kind of helping out. Like I could see it was graded pretty well. I could see that they had some channels built. They had a retaining area for water. They have definitely the parking. They can continue to even expand okay. that. I, I think they have enough land there. I don't know what the owner wishes to do. They could easily hold world shoot there. Um, wow. So if they're successful and they can put investment in it, they, they can run 40 stages there all day long. Um, they don't have 40 bays created now, but they definitely have the land and growth opportunity there if, if someone ever made an investment like world shoot into it. Well, so that's kind of cool. I will tell you, I don't know how the hotel situation is because I stayed at my mom's because it's not always about those facilities, about what bringing families and the community in the area. So that's the one thing great about Florida is I can always take my family to Orlando and do those things. Um, or Vegas. If we go out to Utah, you got Vegas afterwards. So there's there's probably not a lot of, you know, I would challenge people to, like, do rural America. Like, go camping, go fishing, maybe go up to Lake Erie, Cedar Point. There's things to do there. You're just going to, you know, it's not your Vegas. It's not going to always be jumping out at you in your face. Like, you're going to have to like think like, okay, let's go camping. Let's do this. Let's go boating. You know, so there are things to do in Ohio, but there's not like a main attraction like Vegas or Disney World. So we'll see. Um, I'm really curious about the hotel situation because um, I didn't even look at that on a map because I just went home. But um, I'm sure it's fine. Um, you probably probably people say you could say it's in fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the roadways, you're not going to have to deal with traffic. That's the nice thing. People are, when, when you put in G or GPS, what the route is, you're probably going to find that's the actual time to get to the range. So, cause it's, it's just all farmland. You're not gonna have to deal with rush hour and things like that. So that's a bonus. Thank God. Um, there will be really good food there in Ohio. Get your steaks out, you know, and, and things like that. You know, we have some, we have some great farmland there. So definitely get out to some steakhouses and stuff like that. Well, I, I had two comments. One, I mean, they do have a campground there. So Phil Strader's in luck there. He can bring his yep. RV down and, and yep. camp Six there. Six hour on display, yep. Yep. And uh, Corey Katz from Practical uh, Cardinal Practical Shooters um, was telling me that basically the board of Cardinal Practical or a Cardinal Shooting Center is basically looking for world domination as it pertains to holding or hosting matches. 
So it wouldn't surprise me if they heard about Ipsic and a world shoot and held it there one year and just blew it out of the water. If you look at their layout and when people go there and see the land that they still have accessible, uh, and it, with those words that you just spoke, it, I would not be surprised if they're going to build it out to be able to handle world shoot. Um, their trap center, their skeet center there. And, and we know Ohio is not a stranger to world-class shooting sports. We have Perry. You yes. Know, all the law enforcement and military matches are held there. So th this, this is at the heart of America. You know, 2A is friendly. I will tell you, the first vehicle I pulled up into the parking lot across the back windshield, it said, we the people. So you are in friendly territory. I will tell you that much. Okay, well, that's it. Yeah, we'll never be in Illinois. That's for sure. <laughs> hopefully one day. Hopefully one day. Yeah, hopefully. But yep. as long as they allow people in the cities to vote, we won't be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hopefully America wakes up one day and, and realizes what it is. Hopefully means. sooner rather than later, you know? Yeah. Is there anything else that you saw at World Shoot that you feel... USPSA or practical shooting sports in general should incorporate more of? You know, there, there's there's some little polishing on the RO level. I I, I am not an RO, so I, 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 I'm only observing this as a competitor. Um, but they're doing little things like calling hand signals out to speed up the scoring process. Their, their pacing and scoring is much more consistent and efficient. And what, what we're seeing is they're able to run people through more stages. I only offer this to look for these efficiencies because I see USPSA growing sta stage. Um, squads are getting bigger. They're, you know, there's only so many stages we can build out squads to, right? So, like, the answer to that is we, we need to start looking at becoming more efficient to make this an enjoyable member participate sport, right? Nobody wants to go there and shoot till from dawn to dusk. So, like, I would encourage, you know, for some training on some of those aspects. Um, I will tell you, at Nationals last year, there was one squad of ROs that were on par with IPSC ROs. And I think everybody probably knows who I'm talking about that shot Nationals because it was clear as day. But the way they worked as a system, the way they had the consistencies built, the way they ironed out the details, the way they called scoring, you were, you were as a shooter – would walk the stage and be done and hit enter. Um, and it was pace it and reset and go. And it was kind of funny because we walked off that stage and those ROs were sitting in their recliners drinking a, you know, a soda and waiting on the next stage because they were done. Um, so like there are those efficiencies out there, but my hat's off to the all the ROs. They're all volunteers. I'm appreciative of them. I'm just saying like, there are some skills out there to acquire and, and be taught and, and to maybe polish it up. Um, so that is not a dig on our or volunteer staff at all. It's just a difference that I see in how they run, you know. Um, you know, I, I would say, I would say steel was much more consistent. Um, so the steel that they had on, I would like to see. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that our current popper calibration isn't working. It's not. It's it's not the answer. Um, I commend to try to make a change because I always tell this to 
to uh, the people in my office back at the shop that make not making a decision is making a decision. It's you're just choosing not to be, you know, not to change. So I commend them for making some kind of change. But like, obviously, there's, you know, after watching what happened to JJ and things like that's not the answer. Like, we went through Ipsic. I saw one fair equity challenge. It was on that weird swinger it wasn't as consistent as it needed to be to be fair across the board. But the steel all knocked down. So whether it's USPSA certifies certain steel for like national level matches or whatever it is, you know, I'm at the point that like it means so much to people like USPSA almost might need to be in the lane of trucking in your own steel. Like this is our steel for nationals. We've, we've validated that this is built to our consistency and if, and will work every time we're just going to truck it in on a trailer and use that for the match. I don't know what the answer is. But I didn't see those problems at the world shoot. And the poppers they had, they had poppers uh, being inspected regularly. They had alternates on side-by that they could immediately switch it out without even causing a delay, per se. Um, you know, things like that. Um, you know, and then just the, the stage, the quality of the stages were remarkable. Um, I will tell you, they, they had a lot of fun with the stages. We could name each stage, but the theme was food, obviously Thailand. Okay. So one stage we called the shrimp stage. The next stage we called the pineapple <laughs> stage. So like, they, they, just, they do some fun things with themes. And I remember back when I started shooting in Orlando at Frostproof, the Florida Open was always a theme like that. I would imagine Frank Garcia, you know, a longtime competitor, Bill took a, took those takeaways away from Ipsic and started to do themes. So I remember like one year we it was a racing theme. So like we had car tires and it was a racetrack stage. You had to run around the stage, north, south, come back, right? It was like, oh, it's a racetrack. One year cool. to hold a beer can and you know they're half targets. Oh, it's like Formula One. You can only see the top half of the driver. Like I miss those themes because it builds fun. Now yeah. I get it. Somebody's got to set it up and think of that, and it's all volunteer time. No one gets paid for, so I'm not complaining again. Um, and this is the sensitive side, me not trying to hurt feelings. But those were fun things. And if it continues to do that, we used to do in some matches that we've gotten away from. So I, I you know, it would be cool at Nationals if we found a theme. You know, I don't know, Ohio, put some cows out there in some barns. I don't know. But it's kind of cool. It makes it fun. It makes it an experience. People can talk about it. You know, people when they're videotaping can remember that stage. It adds to it. That's all. What? Why not make it a Hall of Fame shoot and just have different shooters? This stage is team yeah. Todd Jerry. This one's Jerry Barnhart. This one's so and so. You know what I mean? You know this very well, but it touches your, yours and mine. It hits deeply to you and me every year. Virginia State, they do Medal of Honor recipients. Yes, they do. And I'll tell you right now, like, given in Virginia where we are and the, 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 the amount of military and the government and stuff, that hits right home. So that's the creativity I'm talking about. Um, you know, we have a lot of veterans in Virginia. We have a lot of law enforcement. And when they do that, you know, that makes that match a little bit more special um, and, and hits home to a lot of people. And let's us remind that we're not just a community of competitors, but we're a community of Second Amendment advocates and and understanding that this is a privilege and, and, and a freedom that we should all enjoy. So, yeah, even in Virginia, we do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think a theme is a good idea. I think that could work. Yeah, just a little touch. I mean, isn't um, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in, is it in Ohio or New York? I think I think we have both football and Major League Baseball. That's what I thought, too. So, mm-hmm. again, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, wherever, wherever USPSA is headquartered or I don't know. I'm sure they can come up with a creative way that's meaningful to USPSA members where to hold it. Um, but man, that, that's so low dollar amount, but so nice to do. You know, I would encourage that some of our membership money went to bring in paying for like world shoe paying for the airfare for that competitor to come to nationals. If he's not competing to get, receive his award, something like that. You know, th- there's just so much for a low dollar amount we can do to build that community together. But I've said enough about hall of fame. <laughs> it's all good it's all good stuff. cheers to all the people that made the sport what it is and all there you go enjoy it today yep and those yet to come yep and those yet to come because hopefully they're your kids and everybody else's kids yep. my kids talked about it at times but i haven't seen them do anything yet so i'm not going to say my kids yet <laughs> my kid probably thinks that rifle behind you is cooler than my pistol so he's probably gonna be calling you saying I well i mean david I and I would agree with him, but that's just me because I'm a rifle guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, the first I, I, as a Marine, I never shot at distance, but the first time I saw a vapor trail of a bullet, I literally thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I I don't know, you, maybe it's just a thing to you, but like, you know, the Marines. I was at Quantico, and there I'm like, I got this rifle. I've never shot it. I want to shoot it at a thousand yards, and like, all right, if I, we teach you how to set up right, that sight and optics should come right back down. You should see the vapor trail. And I saw it for the first time like that. It has to be the coolest thing. I was like a kid at like <laughs> 28 years old, 30 years old. I was like a kid uh, in a candy store. I was like, that was so cool. So <laughs> let's it do it cool again. Story. Do it again. <laughs> I'm like 250 around. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's slow down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there is something to be said about hitting a target at long range because there's a lot yeah. more that goes into it. Those PRS marks, I think it's called PRS, right? Yeah. Like tactical long range. Yep. So it's like USPSA, but with a precision rifle, right? Yep. Very cool. They're holding them here at USPSA, or I mean at uh, Quantico, right in my backyard. And I can't, I definitely want to do one. I definitely want to do one. Todd Jarrett's gotten into a f- few of those too. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to hook them up. The Marines yeah. are so friendly. You, you go there, there's a lot of what I call classic old timers there. They'll, they'll, they'll take you under their wing. So I'm definitely going to do it. Okay. I'll have to let you know how it goes. You'll feel laugh at me. <laughs> no, man. It's like USPSA. You know, it's no different. Nobody's going to laugh at you if you get out there and do it. Ten rounds. <laughs> That's click, click. okay. Oh, click, click. Son of a. <laughs> yeah. Well, the difference between me and you is you can probably get on target after on one round. Yeah, right. That's your job. Mine, it might take me five or six. But it's all good. It's, it's fun. It is fun. It's still shooting. Yep. So it's all fun. Well, Matt, that's what—that's everything I wanted to cover. Um, cool. Anything, any may, other than nationals this year? Anything significant? Uh, yeah, you know, I finally, I finally got on the check team. So, um, I've never, I've never been a competitor. You know, I've had other offers uh, to. I kind of shoot what I like. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm in a financial position where I, I don't really need to do it. Uh, for the funding per se, uh, it is nice. It does help. Um, 
you know, I'll tell you all the money goes right back into just meeting, meeting my shooting goals. Right. Um, I've, I've shot CZ. I started with CZ, um, check blood. So it's, I got some heritage there. Um, you know, so to get on the CZ team, you know, was a dream come true. Um, I owe a lot to Matt Hopkins and, and Jared Fox for accepting me. Um, you know, I've done, I've done things for the company on the law enforcement side, not competitively. Um, and now I'm excited to shoot this season with them. Um, they sent me some of their, their new pieces. That's pretty. Um, this is the new TS2 orange. It's got that bull barrel. Mm. Um, you know, the nice thing about this is it's very similar to my shadow two. The weight's obviously a little different, but the balance points similar. So I shot Ohio State. This was my third time winning production, but seeing where, as you just mentioned, where the divisions are going, this is likely what I'm going to shoot at Ohio State next year is limited. Um, just an iron sights kind of guy. So I got this season to kind of work this in, get it running. So the way I like it, get used to it. And then I'll probably shoot Del Marva on Ohio State next year in limited. Um, 40? And it'll be 40, major. Um, I've seen some of the data out there on 9 mil, um, but I still think major has a little bit of win, especially in USPSA. I think I just um, heard Nell say, go ahead and bring it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would tell you this um, – this is pretty cool. I wish they did these top slide serrations on the Shadow 2 because they try top theirs, and I came off of a Tamfo uh, that I shot for a couple seasons, and they round theirs. And when you do a rack, um, I tend to, like, pinch. Um, yeah. And this just catches a little bit better. I have to pinch a little bit harder on the Shadow 2. So hopefully they make this adjustment to the Shadow 2s in the future. Hint, hint. Uh, I hope they do. But the bull barrel is really cool. I'm excited to see if they extend this into other lines. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm super excited to get to represent them uh, along with all my other sponsors. And, you know, I wish the teams kind of dissipated a little bit. I know Matt Hopkins and Jared have moved on to great things with other companies. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, two wins with them. I'm looking to show my best the rest of the year. Um, so thank you, CZ, and, and thanks, uh, David, for having me on. Yeah, congratulations for that. One Thank quick you. question on the uh, the new CZ with the yep. bull barrel. How much is that supposed to help with accuracy? So, yeah, so I think we're going to, you know, I'm not an engineer, but what, what we should see out of this is a little bit better balancing to mitigate that recoil. Um, it's kind of right where you want it on the extension, right? And you still get that high uh, uppercut receiver, you know, where – it's inlaid into the lower receiver versus on the outside, and it's tri-top. So, like, I think the balancing point on this is going to be phenomenal. I have shot the regular TS2s, um, so I'll get a little bit more data on this if we want to talk about it later. But the other thing that we should see with this bull barrel is a lot more longevity and barrel life. Mm. And if you're any, like any other USPSA or Ipsic shooter, we like throwing rounds down range, and it kind of sucks to fit a new barrel or get a barrel to this tolerance of, you know, a, a finely tuned hand fitted gun. So yeah, it's nice that I'll be able to run this gun a lot longer without having to worry about that as well. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, so I'm, I'm hey. excited about it. Other than that, I'm, I mean, most of the other features are the same. You know, it's I, I did make one adjustment to it. I got this angled safety. I don't know if you can kind of see that. Yep. But 
when it's when it's in its up position, it's essentially I don't with my shorter thumbs I don't have to push all the way down, so that's pretty cool. Uh, mm. That doesn't come stock on the gun, but if anyone's interested in where I got that, I can put push them uh, a quick link. Okay. And, I, and this works on the TS2 and the Checkmate as well. That that's okay. Safety. Now, where if they wanted to reach out, uh, talk to you about that, or even traveling the world and shooting, yeah. they had questions about that. Where's the best place to reach you? Yeah, probably Instagram, MN Shooting. Okay. Um, I also have a webpage, www.mnshooting.com, where you can get on WhatsApp or email me. So those are anything MN Shooting on Google should get you to me. Okay. Um, pretty good. And I, I usually get back to – I try to get to people every day unless I'm traveling overseas. So if you see like a five, six-day break, that's likely I'm overseas. Just give me the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but most of the time I get back to people 24 hours. Cool. Well, I will then, um, I'll add some links to the bottom in the notes so that people can reach out to you there. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Thank you, man. It's always a, a, a fun conversation when you're here. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. It's great to see what you've done with the podcast. Definitely representing our sport, just like Brian Connolly in the same light. Um, and it's always cool to talk to a fellow Marine. Awesome. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.